Welcome to the Unleash Your Best Clinical Self podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Kobian. If you're a physiotherapist or other movement professional who feels like you're stuck in a rut, then my podcast is for you. This podcast is focused on helping you move from frustration to flow in your clinical practice. And in each episode, I'll share strategies, approaches, and my latest thinking on how to improve your clinical performance and keep loving what you do. This is episode number 61, and in this episode, I'll be talking about two mistakes that we can make when it comes to exercise prescription with our patients, and I'm going to give you a surprising solution on how to actually address these two mistakes. Before I dive in, though, I want to let you know that I have a newsletter where I write about topics relating to improving clinical performance. Just head over to 360clinician.com to sign up. All right, let's dive in. When we look at therapeutic exercise, it's really a staple of our toolbox, of a physiotherapist toolbox. No other intervention has as much research supporting it. And we know this as movement clinicians. That's why we're always keen to learn a new exercise or identify some fresh twist on tried and true exercises that we've learned over the years. Prescribing the right exercise is important, but I think there are really two big mistakes that we can make when it comes to exercise prescription that can really impact the results we get. The first mistake is something that I think we're all guilty of, the trap of giving our patients just too many exercises. We can slip into this belief that if three exercises are good, then six would be better. And the problem though is that giving too many exercises can easily overwhelm our patients and sabotage their recovery process. You know, I like to think of this graph where our patient motivation starts off high and it's typically quite high when we have very few exercises prescribed and that motivation tends to drop with the greater number of exercises that we prescribe. With too many exercises, our patients can easily feel overwhelmed and their motivation can get deflated. When we increase the ask that we make, the motivation required by a patient increases as well and it just makes it harder to stay consistent and get results. Something that I've been wondering over the last few years has been why is it so easy to make this mistake of giving too many exercises? And I think there can be a variety of reasons, but I think it's easy to equate the value that we provide as therapists with the number of exercises we give. We think that more exercises means that we're bringing more value to the table, but I don't think that's always the case. And in some ways, I think, as I've been mentioning, can actually sabotage and decrease our effect and treatment benefit. And so falling into this trap, I think, can be a result of sometimes our own insecurity coming through maybe a lack of confidence in our clinical skills, and maybe we feel that some of the other aspects of our treatment are lacking, and so we try to make up with that in terms of giving more exercises. But I think it's important to look and ask ourselves, is the reason that I tend to give maybe too many exercises to my patients, is that driven from my own insecurity or a need to boost my own sense of self? And if that's the case, then it's helpful to take a bit of a step back and ask ourselves how we can address some of these insecurities that we're feeling and this lack of confidence so that we aren't potentially sabotaging our treatment planning with our patients because of our own insecurities and issues, and really be able to make sure that we're moving from a place of confidence in ourselves as well as in a place of flow so that we can really hone in on the exercises that are going to be best for the patient. The second mistake is something that can really impact patient success, and it's often something that's not even on our radar when it comes to exercise prescription. And that's really the issue where we spend pretty much all of our time educating our patients on which exercises they should do, you know, how to do it in terms of the technique of it. But we're not necessarily helping our patients with the doing of the exercises in terms of building a habit of exercise consistency. If a patient doesn't do their exercises, or maybe they do it very infrequently, then we don't, giving them more exercises isn't going to help them reach their treatment goals. And so 
This is something that I've thought about too over time is why do we tend to revert to passive treatments with our patients? And I think part of the reason for that is because of this mistake where we don't spend enough time helping our patients with building an exercise habit. And I think for most, if not all of us, we're strong proponents of active rehab. We want to have our patients be doing exercise, moving, improving their movement skill. But there are those patients where they seem to slide into this passive treatment and can find that for myself that can happen. And I thought, well, why is that? And I think it comes down to a breakdown in supporting our patients building consistency with their exercises. And as I was thinking about this, I, I was able to map out what I think are really the five steps that lead to this breakdown from providing active treatments to our patients to shifting into this passive treatment mode. I just called it the spiral of exercise despair. I know it sounds so ominous, eh? But if we think about it, this typical situation in this first initial session, we give them some exercises. And for some people, they're going to be very motivated and they're going to do their exercises. And so this may happen right off the bat. This may also take a few sessions to occur. But the patient maybe doesn't do the exercises or has really limited adherence to the exercises. And when we ask, well, how did it go with your exercises? Oh, yeah, it went pretty well. You know, they're not going to necessarily feel, for the most part, they're not going to feel comfortable sharing that they really struggled with doing the exercise and they weren't consistent with it. They might say, oh yeah, it went well. And so what do we do? We, we give them more exercises over the coming sessions. And what ends up happening is there's a bit of this cycle where the patient feels bad because they're not doing their exercises and is really vague about sharing their challenges with doing the exercises. And so we end up seeing a lack of progress with uh, the patients doing their exercises. And we feel like, well, what do we do here? So as therapists, then we see this lack of progress that our patients are getting with exercise. And we sometimes don't know how to necessarily address it. And we know that they're not doing their exercises. So what ends up happening is that we then revert to providing more of the passive treatments because we don't have this issue with the whole exercise adherence piece coming into play. And, and I'm not saying that this happens with every patient, but I think that there are patients who really do struggle with building a habit of exercise into their daily routine. And that they may have a struggle with that in outside of physio. They may also have a struggle with that within the physio context. And when you start to see that in some of your patients, you can say, oh yeah, you know, I realize that there's a similar type of a spiral that happens where we start off on that active approach and then over time that just shifts into this passive approach with our patients. And I think it's important to remember that every patient is unique. How we approach exercise prescription isn't going to be the same for an 80-year-old sedentary grandma as it would be for a 28-year-old triathlete. Of course, that makes sense. Those extremes, it's very clear there. But I think there's a lot of patients that are between those extremes and we need to adjust how we approach exercise prescription. When we think about how many exercises to give our patients, we really need to think about the capacity that our patient has. And if we ignore our patient's capacity, that's, I think, where we run into troubles. When we give them more exercises, we're actually increasing the motivation they need to do those exercises. And we have to remember that motivation really is a fickle friend. It ebbs and flows day by day. And our patients are going to have that similar ebb and flow with when it comes to exercise motivation. So let's say that your patient has limited bandwidth. Maybe they have a lack of history with exercise habits. So suppose that your patient has limited bandwidth. They maybe have a lot of stress in life. They're dealing with pain and they're not sleeping well. 
Maybe they also have a lack of history with exercise habit formation. Maybe they just have limited energy because they are dealing with pain. In any case, giving too many exercises really is going to increase the risk of exercise adherence failure in part because they have limited capacity. Their motivation is going to really ebb and flow significantly because of all these things I just mentioned. And when we increase that risk of failure when it comes to exercise consistency, we're really going to decrease the likelihood that patient is going to experience success with their treatment. All right, what's the solution? I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways to look at this. But what I've found is that when you actually give fewer exercises to patients, you can actually help them achieve better results with their treatment program. It sounds simple enough, but it can really be challenging to actually narrow down what we give our patients. And I want to show you how I simplify my decision-making approach when it comes to giving exercises to my patients. But first off, I think it's important to recognize that when we give fewer exercises, we actually reduce the amount of motivation our patients need. And when we reduce that motivation ask, the likelihood increases of them doing their exercises regularly. This is why I'm such an advocate of what I call the power of one. This idea that we focus on giving a single exercise to our patients during that initial assessment session. Hey, I just wanted to have a quick pause to introduce you to today's podcast sponsor, Soul. They're off-the-shelf moldable insoles, and it's the brand of insoles that I recommend to my patients and have for years. The reason I recommend them is that they're heat moldable by the patient, they've got a great arch support, and they come with options to help with different foot issues. It's really easy for customers to order, and when you refer them to Soul, they get free shipping and 10% off. Make sure to check them out at yoursoul.com forward slash health dash professionals. That's Y-O-U-R-S-O-L-E dot com forward slash health dash professionals. All right, back to the show. And it's something that I really try to do with every assessment. And I found that when I don't do that, when I add too many exercises to that assessment, I actually find that some of the recall and consistency takes a hit. And when I give only one exercise during that initial session, what it does is it also forces me to give the exercise that I think is going to make the greatest impact for my patient. From my assessment, I'll form my diagnostic hypothesis regarding the patient's condition and the primary drivers of my patient's symptoms and dysfunction. And assuming that it's a biomechanical issue at hand, I'll implement an intervention within the session and then perform a retest to then evaluate its effect. And assuming that my retesting confirms the hypothesis, I'll then provide that one exercise related to the intervention and the test retest that I did that the patient can then do at home. And then the following session, I start with a retest of all my key objective data that will really give me confirmation of my working hypothesis. And I think it is important when I'm doing this that I really set the stage for my patient, understand that they're not going to get a slew of exercises from me at the end of the session that I'm going to focus on those one or two key things that I want them to work on based on my diagnosis that I will come to during the assessment. And what this does is it helps to set the expectations with the patient early on in the session so that they're not walking away feeling like they didn't get enough from the assessment session. When I focus on this power of one, what it does is it really protects me from taking this shotgun approach to exercise prescription. That approach where I give a bunch of exercises hoping that one does the trick. And I think that if a patient can do one key exercise consistently and do it correctly, then the amount of benefit they'll get from that one exercise is going to be greater than if they were given 10 exercises that they performed inconsistently. And beyond this, I think giving one exercise has some other 
really important benefits. When I give one exercise, what it does is it helps to make it easy for my patient to succeed. People can do one thing well, and they can do it consistently. And what that does is it builds confidence in the patient with doing a home exercise program and sticking to it. And when they start to see some of that initial success in terms of symptom improvement and also just consistency with doing an exercise, that will also help build more motivation and skill to add more exercises in the future sessions. Success breeds success. Another important benefit is that it's a lot easier to troubleshoot habit formation with the patient early in the treatment program when you're only dealing with one exercise. And it allows me to then be able to tease out where the challenge is when it comes to exercise consistency. Now, it makes sense that we don't just stay with one exercise for our patients, but it can be hard to know how many exercises we should be giving our patients. And I think that's a really important thing to wrestle with and to have a bit of a framework or a structure to know how your exercise prescription should change based on the patient that is in front of you. I think it's important to not give too much, not to give too little, but just to do the right amount, that Goldilocks rule. And we know that too many exercises can lead to overwhelm. And the opposite is that if we give too few exercises, we run the risk of not moving the patient forward as quickly as possible. And I think there are a few key factors when it comes to giving our patients the right number of exercises. And there's four that I've identified that I regularly use in terms of identifying how many exercises I should give patients. The first is capacity, and this is something that I talked about a little bit earlier in the episode. But the patient's capacity, both mental and physical, is something that we need to take into consideration. When one's capacity is decreased because of pain, limited social supports, or maybe work or family stress, their capacity to take on exercises is definitely going to be impacted. The second item is motivation. We really need to look at what kind of motivation the patient has coming into the treatment program. A high motivation level will definitely help kickstart doing home exercises and make it easier to build an exercise habit. But if someone is already feeling defeated and struggling with just general motivation in life, we have to take that into account in terms of what they're going to be able to take on from an exercise standpoint. The third is habit formation. We need to think about the skill that a patient has when it comes to building habits. And the reality is that some patients may require help in forming a habit and sticking to an exercise program. Now, for someone who's really consistent with doing workouts or having a training routine, they'll likely have very little issue at all adding more exercises into their daily routines. But for someone who has maybe limited skill or confidence with building new habits, they may struggle with adding exercises to their daily routine. And in that case, we have to be cognizant to not add too many exercises because they may struggle with doing those exercises consistently. And the last aspect that we want to consider is body awareness. You know, someone who has good body awareness, it can really help them in terms of their ability to perform an exercise. And when someone is unsure if they're doing an exercise correctly, they're going to have less confidence around doing that exercise. And they may also experience less perceived success with doing that exercise. And so when someone has low body awareness, that can really affect their motivation because of the fact that they don't feel confident and they don't feel as successful doing the exercise. And they just may need a bit more time and practice with fewer exercises to build up that confidence, to build up that level of awareness of how their body moves before we add more exercises. Considering all four of these factors can really help you to identify the number of exercises a patient can successfully handle. If a patient scores low on all those factors, then I would definitely be more gradual in adding more exercises. And I'd be listening closely for signs that the patient is struggling with their exercises. If a patient has 
the mental and physical capacity, is motivated, has skill in building habits, and has a high level of body awareness, then they'll likely be successful in having a larger set of exercises, or even just maybe a set of more complex exercises that they'll be able to do on a regular basis. All right, so I wanted to provide just a quick recap in terms of what I just covered today in the podcast episode. So there's really two mistakes that we can make when it comes to exercise prescription. First is that we can give too many exercises to our patients, and it's easy to make that mistake because we can fall into the trap of believing that more exercises equals more value. The second mistake is where we don't spend time helping our patients with the doing part of the exercises. We focus on the what. We focus on the technique of the exercise. We focus on the exercise itself but we don't necessarily help them in terms of being able to be consistent with performing the exercises at home. And this, I think, can often result in this spiral to passive treatment with our patients. The solution when it comes to our patients is to really focus on narrowing down the number of exercises we give, actually limiting the amount of exercises we give so that we can better troubleshoot potential challenges they may have with performing their exercises on a regular basis. And it also then helps us to have more confidence that the exercise, well, it forces us to really be selective in the exercise we give and making sure that we give the highest value exercise to our patients. When we look at knowing how many exercises to give, we really have to look at the capacity that the patient has to perform them. When we look at how many exercises to give our patients, we really have to think about the Goldilocks rule, thinking about not too much, not too little, not too little, just right. And it's helpful to think of four different areas when you're thinking about how many exercises to give your patients. The first is capacity. The second is their existing motivation. The third is their ability to form habits. And fourth, there's their level of body awareness. And when we look at all four of those areas together, we can have a lot more confidence to know whether we should be giving few exercises or more exercises to our patients, assuming they're appropriate for what their treatment intervention is. So here's my challenge to you for this upcoming clinical week. Resist giving your patients more exercises before you have the confidence that the ones that you've given them are being done consistently. When you complete a new assessment this week, see if you can just focus on just giving one exercise to your patient, but really make it count, really tie it into your hypothesis-driven approach to deciding what is going on with your patient. When you complete a new assessment this week, see if you can focus on giving just one exercise to your patient. Really make that exercise count based on your hypothesis of your diagnosis for that patient. And I think it's important to remember that the value that you give and your identity as a therapist is not tied to the number of exercises you give your patients. All right, well, thanks for hanging out with me today, hearing about how to overcome some of the challenges that uh, exist with exercise prescription. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify to stay up to date on future episodes. And if you've enjoyed this episode, I truly appreciate uh, you leaving a review on iTunes. Here's to less frustration, more flow, and better clinical results. Till next time.